100 Eastern Time, Thursday night, lock, cock, ready to rock, and you know what that means. That's right, the drinks are, you call it, the bar is open in the meeting of the virtual Green Dragon Tavern is on the air. It is Sons of Liberty Live, and as all of you are Coming in, boy, oh boy, we are going to have a uh, great show tonight. We're going to be talking about something that uh, usually gets a lot of listens and generates a lot of buzz on this show. Something that I've got several emails sitting here, people uh, with inquiring minds wanting to know my thoughts on the XM8 from SIG. And uh, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be breaking down this rifle, um, some of its pros, cons, my thoughts on it, and uh, the design implementations. And before anybody out there says, well, you know, oh, wait, but you haven't even shot it yet, right? Yeah, well, in essence, it's an AR-10, and <laughs> I've shot a lot of those. So we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be talking about widespread adoption some of the drawbacks, uh, and some of the pros of this rifle as well. And, of course, my well-esteemed guest hosts are coming into the house, uh, subject matter experts in their own right when it comes to this topic in particular. First on the list, Mr. J.C. Dodge. What's up, brother? Oh, not a whole lot. How you doing, man? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. Have a day. Yep. yep. The uh, been trying to get a lot of reading done here of late. Yeah. Re- going over old old uh, old books that uh, are <clears throat> survivalist uh, in nature. Uh, right now I'm in the in back. I mean, it's obviously all they're all rereads, multiple rereads. But uh, right now I'm in the middle of the Five Fingers. Have you ever read that? No. It's it's an old. I read it as a teenager. Uh, about a team put the an international team put together, special ops team put together, and during Vietnam, to go into China to uh, do some high level assassinations and stuff like that. But from a survivalist perspective, kind of like uh, it, it. Kind of sounds uh, like like Mitch Warbell's story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's a lot of similarity. The reason I like it from a survivalist perspective is they have multiple cash points along the way. Um, you know, when people talk about bugging out and stuff like that in a non-permissive environment, you know, when they're when they're getting out and trying to get back out after conducting the mission or hit, hitting the targets, 
you know, they got all kinds of stuff, people coming after them and all that. And it, it just, uh, puts you in a, in a different kind of mindset and, you know, also, you know, counting on, um, other people, you know, the whole loan, loan survivor thing ain't cutting it. Um, you know, multiple people with multiple talents and, and, and everybody that has, you know, that they're not going to quit, which, you know, if, if they don't have that, then they're really not, uh, it's not going to be helpful. So when tips no, but no, no, you mean, you mean that you mean to tell me, you dare tell me that, I can't just do all the things by myself. Is that is is that the gist of what you dare tell me, Mister Dodge? That's a technique. That's a, that's a technique. <laughs> that, would be, that would be that would be spelled with a K. I can't do all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a whole hell of a lot of stuff I don't want to do. That's you know. Yeah. This, yeah. Let's be honest. Like, there, there's a lot of things out there that I don't want to do. Uh, that that I'm just, I'm just not interested in doing. Raising chickens is wow. one of them. I'm just not. Yeah. <laughs> not in, in that, not into it, man. You know, like yeah. I, I can, I have plenty of skills and tools and a lot of other stuff that I can do to barter with somebody who does like to raise chickens. Like that, mm-hmm. that's, that's a free market economy, right? Yeah, I mean, just saying, yeah. nah, dude, that's, dude, dude, that's awesome. Um, whenever you get a chance, man, send me over a link to that book. I'll see if I can find a copy on like a books or something. Uh, I will. Like a, a well, and I'm probably gonna, uh, after I reread it this time, I'm probably going to write a review. Um, I'm going to, there's a couple different books, like I said, that I've been going um, I'm probably going to do some reviews on, um, uh, re, you know, heart just reread re, Alas Babylon, uh, The Postman, uh, Wolf and Iron, uh, Lucifer's Hammer. Um, this was the oh, last yeah. on my, my, my top five list. Um, but I'm probably going to write some reviews on them and, with some links. Um, so yeah, that, but I'll definitely, uh, shoot you over the, the thing you know mentioned stuff you don't like to do i mean you know there was stuff we didn't like to do in the army um especially as infantry guys you know logistics is is a pain in the ass as far as the 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 cool factor isn't there but you know i i worked as a supply sergeant. i went to school for and i worked as a supply sergeant at one point uh did nbc at one point that's definitely not sexy or or cool but it's you know invaluable yeah and um and i'm really glad now as as a survivalist that that i had that that supply background with logistics because that's you know what what's that saying about amateurs uh talk about tactics and strategy and uh the professionals talk about logistics. Um, yes, that's gonna be one of the things we're talking about tonight uh, with yeah. this with the Sig rifle. We're gonna be we're gonna be discussing some of the the particulars of yeah. of this weapon um, because I I am 
I don't know, man. I have my own reasons. I have my own reasons why I think they did this and they did it right now. I I don't, I don't think it's coincidence. I think it's enemy enemy action. But you know, that's just me. I, I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna talk about it though. We're gonna talk about it. Johnny Paratrooper, you in the house? Oh yes, I am. Hold hold up. Yes, hold up. Ah, oh, here we go. I am oh. stoked. Oh, I am stoked. Crack so one we're, for the old guy. We're talking about guns and books, huh? Guns and books. Yeah, yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about Nina Stanky Legs Stankowitz too, because uh, she she needs to be discussed. Uh, but before that, before that, Mags in the comments, the movie Remo Williams. Talked about <laughs> new gun failing, and and I want to give a special shout out to Fred Ward. Rest in yep. peace, brother. He died earlier this week. Um, you know he 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 was one of those guys that everybody knew who he was because of he he had a very particular look to him, and he always played a, a certain type of role. Um, you know, most people were like, "Oh yeah, that guy from Tremors," right? That wasn't Burton and. Yeah, yes, yes, that too, that too. Um, but he, he he was a guy in Tremors who wasn't Burt yep. Reynolds and or Burt Reynolds. Uh, Burt Reynolds was not in Tremors. Uh, Burt Reynolds <laughs> was in Gator McCluskey, uh, which is Kevin another Bacon sidekick. Yeah, Kevin, but Kevin Bacon and uh, Burt Gummer. Um, you know, the, Michael Gross played Burt Gummer, and and he will forever be known as as Burt Gummer. Um, but uh, yeah, Fred Ward. Unfortunately, uh, earlier this week, it was reported that Fred Ward had died. Um, you know that that's he was a cool guy. Seemed like a seemed like a real cool guy. Kind of didn't didn't really hang out with the cool people in Hollywood. He kind of stayed apart from all that. Um, you know, just just seemed like a good dude. So, brother, rest in peace, man. Um, you know, you you're you're hanging out in heaven with some cool folks, man. But uh, anyway, uh, yes, Re- Remo Williams. That was a that was a classic, as discussed over on the forum, uh, forum.brushpeter.org. We we talked about it over there a little bit. Remo Williams with uh, Captain Catherine Janeway, uh, a much younger and and slightly more attractive uh, Catherine Janeway was also in that movie playing some sort of uh, military woman um, of some type or another, you know, because every one of those B movies needs to have a military person in it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Remo Williams, the adventure begins, but we, we never knew where the adventure went because they didn't make any more. So it was just, it was like, what else did he do? You know? Like the adventure began, but yeah, at least the sequel didn't suck. Well, yeah, I mean, because <laughs> so many of them they did, they were good. They made a second one, and it just was it was not up to the standard of the first one. Oh, they, so they did make the second one. Really, Williams? Did they? Uh, I don't know. I'm saying the, oh, the sequel. Oh, they, no. they didn't make it. Ah, okay. I got you. Yeah. I got you. I was. Uh, I thought you were saying they made a second one. I was like, "What?" 
I wish. Man, I'm gonna run down to Blockbuster and see if I can find it. (laughs) (laughs) We go down to Blockbuster and be like, "Look, dog, you know, I I drove my DeLorean down here, and I need I need that copy of Remo Williams too. The adventure continues." Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's on the dollar ninety nine rental rack, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop this sucker in my VCR. You know what I remember about that movie was the was the old Asian guy going, and he was sticking his finger through things, just doing that that finger stick thing he had. He did. <laughs> I just that's the first thing that comes to mind when I when I think of that movie is him doing that and the guy and Remo watching him do that, just not be able to figure it out. But yeah, uncommon value. Be prepared in the comments to say, and you you feel hot, you feel cold. Fear is a feeling. Fear cannot kill you. Uh, <laughs> he was my I favorite, mean, favorite you know, that was my favorite character in Un- Uncommon Valor. Um, the uh, yeah, oh yeah. The, yeah, that's and especially when they were training, and he was he was catching all of them. They were all sneaking around, and and he'd put the sign on their around their neck from up in the tree <laughs> or from yeah, just all the different awesome underrated movies. movie, man. Yeah. Underrated Jeez. movie. I think Batman. I think Uncommon Valor was overshadowed by. Uh, I mean, you, you had you had Rambo two, you had Missing in Action. And it was, mm-hmm. it was like, which Uncommon Valor was better than both of those. Oh, and yeah. It, it, yeah. But it, it just kind of just kind of got overshadowed, man. And, and, I mean, Patrick Swayze, young Patrick Swayze, uh, Gene Hackman. Yeah. Um, you know, just good, good, uh, good group in, in the, in the yeah, movie dude. parts. So, Johnny, what you been yes, up to, sir. man? Uh, replacing, uh, fixing up historic log cabins and, uh, we're getting ready to do some concrete work next week and, uh, and then replacing some more logs. Pretty good stuff. Got a new lawnmower. I burned up a lawnmower last weekend. I was, I was cutting some grass and it, it did that thing where it goes and the black smoke starts coming up. No. And then, and then it just went pow, and I'm pretty sure I blew the fucking rings out of it, bro. Yeah. But you know, whatever. You got to put some oil in it from time to time, dude. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, no. The problem is, I changed the oil, and then it was like, no, I quit. <laughs> was it? Was oh, it yeah, a Briggs and Stratton? It was a Kohler, and it it made wow. it. Uh, it was a 2015 Kohler, so it made it seven years. You know, it wow. did all right. It did all right. Yeah, that's not too bad. Kohler, Kohler is is better than Briggs and Stratton, man. Like miles better. Kohler makes uh, those big generators you see, like yeah. sitting on the side of a hospital or a government building. So yeah. they make they make good stuff, man. They make stuff that's meant to run. And considering this was like a little push mower, like the like the four hundred dollar Walmart special. Oh yeah. It uh it did all right. Um you know, I could rebuild it or I could just not. And I'm yes. rebuilding a small engine is a fucking uh it's kind of a waste Dude, of time. Give it they're, they're see, this is a thing, man. Give it to find an old guy in your community who that's his thing, man, and just give it to him. I did small that. Small engines, yeah. 
Yeah, and and just give it to him, man. That that's if you find if you find an old timer that small engine repairs his thing, and you just give it to him, that's like giving that dude a gold coin, man. See, I'm I'm dead serious. They're like, oh wow, you you're just gonna give me this? Like, yeah. I mean, I know a guy locally. He has literally got a, a little side lot beside his house that's just filled with lawnmowers. And like he did, he literally that's all he does. He's just an old timer. He fixes small engines. It's like it's his thing, and then he turns around and sells them cheap. Like he fixes it, starts selling it cheap. I mean, it's, it's like his little little hobby. Makes a little money off of it. You know, it's all good. Gets junk lawnmowers at your yard. You know, he's gonna be gold in the new economy. Well, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, and and just just working for cash, man. A little bit here yeah. and there, you know. I mean, I will say though, as as things economically are deteriorating, I'm seeing a lot more people with less manicured lawns. Yeah, Just an observation. The um, I thought about getting one of those non non motorized, the old style lawn mowers. Uh, the the oh, push mower, the real uh, push mower. Yes. Yeah. Dude, that is a fuckload of work, dude. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 well, but if 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 gas is is you know beyond premium, and uh, you know hard to get or like very very expensive, you know about priorities. You know the difficulty of you know the blood, sweat, and tears you put into it as far as uh, with a shanks mare and and pushing as opposed to something with a motor. I mean, it goes a long way, and you have to. The at trick, a certain point, you gotta you gotta mow your grass at a certain point. The trick to a real mower is to mow it every day. That's the that's the easiest way to do it. If you, but I mean, like, obviously, if you have like ten acres of grass, that's that's well, uh, that's well, like a bit Clint, much. Isn't but, that what Clint Eastwood? Didn't that what Clint Eastwood did in Gran Torino? Wasn't he using one of them on his front yard? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. Fiskers yeah. makes a real mower. It's a, it works pretty good. He didn't have a whole lot to mow, though. Like, no, if, that's what if, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's a little strip of grass. Had, uh, All right, whatever, man. Dude, in my yard, he has he had a soul patch. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. If if you sit on you know a, a acre or larger, man, you ain't got time for all that. Yeah, that's a lot of work. That, man. Like, Two-thirds of mine is woods, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, find that dude with the little truck riding around. Get a lawnmower on the back of it, man. Pay that guy. He's, you know, you, you, you got to work efficiently, man. We, we ain't all made of time. You know, I'm, I'm having to learn that lesson a lot here recently. With, you know, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, there's some things that you just, you don't have enough hours in the day. You just do not have enough time in the day to get everything done. And you have a list every day when, you know, when I get up, I got a list of stuff I got to get done. At least two of those things are not getting done. And it, it used to frustrate me to no end. And now it's like, eh, you know, I, I can't do nothing about it. You know, so like hit the big stuff, the little stuff, if it gets in there, cool. If it don't, it don't, you know. Just yep. saying, just saying, but anyhow, 
coming in on the 20 minute mark enough of the bs banter let's uh i want to dive into nina stanky legs stankowitz first uh stankowitz jankowitz nina stanky leg um i think I think um, you know all all the name calling, all the juvenile memes about this young lady are deserved in full. Of course, the news coming out about Miss Nina Stanky Leg is that she was running a disinformation campaign for the State Department of all things in Europe just so happens and of course this stuff is going to get exposed because that is just kind of the way that it happens um when you have people who are digging up stuff everywhere on these people and of course she like you know the the mass swath of people in the state department uh the united states department of state our oldest intelligence agency by the way um the the king of the intelligence the the united states intelligence community uh the the intelligence industrial complex as i like to refer to them from time to time uh it is so um very convenient that they put this woman who is a dyed in the wool leftist uh who was out there you know reinforcing the russia hoax narrative you know trump is a russian spy agent every all you know all all the people that i don't like russian spies russian bots russian disinformation russia this russia that uh which is you know just absolutely ridiculous and you know as, as we see they are absolutely contrary to the interests of the people of the united states we see this like it's it's in in front of us it is out there Right for us to see. Well, you know, it, it just so happens that now they put this woman in as the disinformation, disinformatia czar. Right. So they put this woman in. They are going to put her in charge of that, and she can just deem whatever you know, whatever whatever is disinformation. She can just deem it as disinformation because that's the you know the the governmental uh, extension an authoritarian extension of, you know, the quote unquote fact checkers uh, who are nothing more than partisan hacks. I mean, this has been proven time and time again, quote unquote fact checkers are nothing more than a partisan hack. And and whose facts are they checking? They're always checking facts of, of the things that right wing people say, but there usually is very little validity to the things that they're saying and and they present it in a very clever way but uh anyhow this this woman is the the quote unquote uh disinformation governance board woman and she has stepped down uh, she has stepped down and this whole program has now been put on pause because the fcc chairman said that it was unconstitutional to carry it on uh so a big fail, a big fat fail for the Biden administration, a big fat fail for the left, a big severe blow to a already heavily discredited administration, but a big win 
for alternative media. Because had it not been for alternative media, had it not been for guys like James O'Keefe with Project Veritas, had it not been for, um, you know, Tucker Carlson, had it not been for, uh, you know, Revolver News, uh, Infowars, of course, 2000 Mules with Dinesh D'Souza, had it not been for Radio Contra, which is, by the way, ranked number one in news commentary. That's right. We are number one in news commentary. Number one. Ranked number one on Podbean. Look it up. Look it up in the app. In in the app, we are number one in news commentary. So there you go. Okay, there you go. And uh but but anyway, we're winning. Okay, we are winning and this is a huge fail for them this is a huge blow to them and so that's very smugness of her little videos where she closes her eyes it's just like on south park right where the you know they were parried in the people from um, uh, san francisco were sniffing their own farts they were closing their eyes and went mm, right that's that's literally her videos I, I don't know if anybody's ever uh had the the uh, intestinal fortitude to be able to watch that crap. But anybody who has, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I personally detest it when people talk to me with their eyes closed. It is, that is the most disrespectful thing I think that you can do to somebody in a conversation is to talk to them with your eyes closed. It is a very dismissive uh, body language. <laughs> position that you put yourself in and that's where her videos are they're, they're so condescending so go fuck yourself stanky leg i'm glad <laughs> that you're gone and we're gonna run the rest of you out of this administration too by exposing you for what you are and continuing to do so i take a whole lot of pride in it what y'all think gents word <sighs> i just had to look this up so apparently this happened uh, yesterday or today. Yesterday. No, we, yesterday, we reported yeah. on it. Where you been? Well, I live in the middle of nowhere during the week. I'm fixing historic like, log I'm cabins. I'm already building log cabins and shit. So the but uh, so anyway, yeah, I read. I I gave myself the uh, wiki master's degree real quick. Um. So apparently she was not communicating with relevant DHS personnel and uh and congressional entities which is like just incredible because the whole purpose of the dhs it like people think it's like this like giant like military swat team or whatever but really what it is is it's just an organization of liaisons that help like i've fought uh, forest fires before and there's a dhs personnel and he's the guy that's got everybody's phone number and all the radio um, frequencies that you would need when you're on the mountain fighting a forest fire. So if you can't get a hold of somebody, go, go to the DHS guy on site and he's got it all. So um, I, I always liked working with them. I, I never I had any trouble with them. And I did take some uh, Department of Homeland Security classes when I was in college. And like one of the like students was complaining about you know, like the second amendment and we were all about to get the lecture on the second amendment. And 
he like he was just like no americans have the second amendment and good luck trying to take it away from them and then we just like moved on to the like rest of the curriculum for the day um so i don't know my experience has been not what the internet says about the dhs but i understand that if they're like creating disinformation boards that's a little curious and then they're putting women like this in charge of it that's also makes you makes you want to like ask a few questions too well, like but if, if I don't know, create, man. If if you create a bureaucracy that's well intended in the beginning, I mean, the FBI was well intended in the beginning. You know, it was it, it was a a small organization that was created by the Department of Justice, a department within the Department of Justice, to go after communists. That was its whole purpose in life was to mm-hmm. go after communists specifically and run counterintelligence. Uh, agents that were going after communists. Well, and, and now they are communists. I mean, now, now they are. Now there's, you know, the, the photos out there, Meal Team 6 taking a knee and raising their fist and, you know, and, and, and is doing this. I mean, we see the corruption. I mean, look at, at Peter Stork and uh, Christopher Ray and, and, and all this stuff. I mean, this is a so, corruption. caveat to the um, idiot uh fbi police that were taking a knee the fbi police and the fbi are two two separate entities the the fbi police just guard the buildings and the um and the uh like if they if they rent like a government building and have a um like a suite in the building fbi police are like the people that are guarding the garage and um standing at the uh at the like front door um they are not the same as as like an FBI special agent, they're not the same as a silver or a gold badge. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I understand what you're saying though. They shouldn't be kneeling like that. That's fucking bullshit. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, all that might be true, but look at what the bureaucracy is doing. That that's my point. Is when you when you look at the bureaucracy and, and the corruption that's there, and look at look at who's being placed at the, these top level positions. I mean, who are they hiring? You know, like it, it, it's it's a valid question. It's one that I have. Um, no, and then you're right. I mean, you're you right. Know. They're it's a DC. You know, it's one of the tentacles yeah. of the of the DC. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, you it know, can it, only it, be so good. Sure. <laughs> you know, like ATF, and I, I mean, the ATF is another one that's just you know they're they're it's just a mess. Um, It's disappointing, too, because they could be, like, fucking so cool, and they just choose not to be. It's a store I want to go to. Yeah! (laughs) Hey, Mac! Right! What's what's the t-shirt say? ATF is like, who's who's bringing the chips? Alcohol, tobacco, (laughs) forms, what else do you sell? You know, oh yeah, dog, yeah. But I, I mean, I don't know. It, it with with stanky leg though. Um, like I said, <laughs> glad she's gone. I'm sure she's gonna she's gonna go off to write a little bullshit book deal. It'll you know it'll probably get astroturfed. She'll make some retirement money. She'll go do the Ivy League lecturer circuit, talking about how alternative media crazy right-wing people were mean to her online so she had to go away because that, that literally that was her excuse was that she received so many threats that she she just went away bitch let me tell you something 
I receive a daily death threat in my email inbox. At least one. At least one. You know what? Whatever. Like, whatever. That must be nice. Whatever. With her, it's just proof that bullying still works. <laughs> it does, man. Nature's way. It's nature's way of keeping that ass in check. You got to keep it in Fuck. check. Yeah. The first, the first thing I said when I heard about the disinformation uh, board was, holy shit, that toad in charge of DHS must have just read 1984 for the first time and said, hey, that sounds like a good idea. It's a good idea. It's a good yeah, idea. I mean, they, they keep forgetting it's supposed to be fiction. It's not a friggin' manual. I mean, Orwell, Orwell to be a socialist, he uh, he definitely he had some insight, man. Mm-hmm. He had some insight. Didn't he work in Ukraine? I uh, I know that he worked in India. I know I know for a fact he was a policeman in India. Uh, so I, I think I remember hearing that he did a like a bit a time in Ukraine, and he just didn't have the stomach for it, and that's his inspiration for like the the interrogations in uh, nineteen eighty four are like based off of like the interrogations they used to use on the on in ukraine and he just didn't have the stomach for it and then i think he served as a radio man in um a propagandist in the spanish civil war after that yes he did he was with the international brigade as an anarchist yeah yeah and he operated a radio and wrote for a newspaper during his time with them i believe Yep. gotta get on those radios man you think the anarchists don't know how to run them but they do i'm actually uh i'm I may, I may get it knocked out tomorrow. I may get it knocked out on Saturday, but um, I'm gonna do a lessons from the farm where I'm breaking down uh, Che Guevara in Bolivia because there's some interesting uh, things that occurred there. And of course, you know, being a, uh, a student of, of that era and just very fascinated with all that, um, Che Guevara's story of trying to create a revolution in Bolivia was very fascinating. Uh, the hunt for him by Felix Rodriguez is really, really incredible. And one of my dream interviews is to be able to interview Felix Rodriguez. Uh, I, I would absolutely love to, and, and I mean, I know he's in retirement. He's, he's done pretty much. He, he got it. Uh, he did an interview with Glenn Beck, I think back during the election cycle, uh, two years ago. And I think that's pretty much it, but I, I, I would absolutely love to do an interview with Felix Rodriguez. I think that he, he's what, what an incredible human, incredible story. Um, you know, hunt the, the hunt for, the most at the time, the most dangerous man in the world and, and hunting him down in Bolivia. But Guevara, there, there was a number of things that occurred that led up to Guevara getting cornered. And, um, you know, it, it, it is very fascinating. Uh, the Soviet union kind of threw him under the bus and a lot of it had to do with communications and a failure of communication skills. And he actually had an East German, 
who was part of his group, uh, his cadre there, who was his communications person. Uh, it was a female named Tanya. And uh, they met while he was practicing medicine in Argentina. And she was supposed to be the communications person and didn't apparently know what she was doing. But there was some there was some very famous uh, there, there was some very infamous rather failures that occurred regarding communications. I'm gonna be talking about that man because that's a uh, the the training that they were were trying to conduct and how they went about that was very very fascinating all the way down to the communications equipment that they were using. Uh, it was pretty good stuff, man. It's pretty good stuff, but. We have a couple new guys here in, uh, in not new, but but popped in since we've been talking. Mechmatic, what's up, brother? What's good, man? Well, you know. Oh, you know. yes. Sipping a dose. Uh, Sipping a dose. I don't even know what to call what I'm drinking. <laughs> it's just some it's, shit. Uh, it, it, so, like, I was drinking Kentucky Mules, which is like a mule with uh, whiskey instead of vodka, and I don't yeah. have any good whiskey to use for that. So, I just use some Diplomatico, and it's actually fucking really good. That that actually, I bet that is really good because Diplomatico it's, is really sweet. It's delicious. Huh. That sounds good. That also sounds like a horrible hangover. Uh, if you like only drink two or three, you don't have to worry about it. Um, and that's what fasting alcohol for uh, Lent will do is it makes your tolerance so low that it's really hard to get hangry. <laughs> oh, man. like after three, you're like, oh, Lord, this is uh, this bitch swinging. Mm, mm. That's right. And of course, we have Patriot Man in the house. Patriot Man, mm, we did. Patriot Man, crickets. Patriot Man, you're showing up, but you are not speaking. Whale, whale. All right then. All right then. Ah, you'll get in here when you pop in, Patriot Man. <laughs> Dirt Nasty in the comments said, no man of patriotism. When you pop in, <laughs> Patriot Man, just give us a shout and I will introduce. Uh, so, anywho, anywho, uh, the, the topic of the night, we already covered Nina Stanky Leg Stankowitz. I'm sure she is uh, about to make the Ivy League rounds talking about how these crazy uh, flyover state, disgusting, smelly Walmart people, uh, all the people beneath her were so mean and, and canceled her, her job. We already discussed that. I just had to ah, I just had to rib that in one more time. Mm. Just saying, just saying. But, of course, the other thing that I've got a bunch of emails sitting here, about um i am absolutely swimming in emails and I may get to them i may not uh but the emails regarding the new sig combat rifle oh the, jesus christ don't even oh no 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 no, no, no. we're gonna hold an hour and a half God. hour and a half just um, 
The M14 apparently wasn't enough of a fucking lesson on why this is a bad idea. Well, funny you bring that up. Since everybody in the house has, has experience with battle rifles and the role of battle rifles. Um, so the SIG XM5, which is using a round in the 270 caliber class, um, it's, it, it is a uh, 6.5 by 51 um they've built a rifle that's essentially an ar-10 and are suggesting that it be implemented to everybody in the army um for for mainstream distribution now before we dive too deep into this i want to talk about the the idea okay the 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 strategy behind this and how kind of I think the strategy is is evolving the small unit tactics lessons of and i, I think I'm, I'm looking at this in a, in a good way by the way uh the small unit tactics lessons that we learned specifically from afghanistan was that we don't necessarily need uh large-scale infantry movements because a smaller leaner force that has um, maybe isn't carrying 210 rounds per soldier, but carrying less ammo, but with an extended engagement range, that's going to be kind of the, the battlefield of the future, so to speak. Do, do um, you have the specs on hand for that rifle? I don't have them in specs. front of me. It's but it, it's it's for all intents and purposes, it's an AR-10. Okay, it, it's okay. it's an AR-10. Yeah, I was just curious I, the weight. I kind of done anything with weight would be based I, on their I, the MCX. I kind of know some yeah. of the okay. specs. Okay, throw them out. Oh, okay. So uh, with um, it's it's uh, it's about two pounds heavier than a fully decked out M4 maybe uh maybe three pounds um once you get like your laser and all that shit on it the new optic is is pretty heavy um so it's it's not that much heavier and 9. then um, eight four pounds with a suppressor yeah it's 10 pounds eight four nine point eight four so, without the optic just with a suppressor 1.4 pounds yeah. per loaded magazine yeah so, that's pretty so stout. it weighs is yeah, it weighs the same as as a, a HK91 or G3 with the metal collapsible stock. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> ah, so point target engagement range is 500 meters plus or minus, and then the area target is 1,000 to 1,200, depending on environmentals and yeah. the bullet you're using. So. Um, and then this, the optic is actually the mo more impressive than the rifle. The rifle is basically an AR that's got all of the like material sciences, manufacturing and lessons learned from the commercial market and the military market in the last 20 years, like stuffed into it. Um, and and it's a piston gun, you know, right? It, it is. Yeah, it's a short stroke, okay, I believe. Yeah. And um, yeah, okay. that's where a little bit of the extra weight comes from. And right, it's yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a two adjustable. It has two adjustments 
it's got a normal. So like normal would be operating a um, suppressor and then it has adverse, um, which is just a, just a little bit more power. And, and then the optic though is the most impressive. So the optic, uh, so you can keep different uh, datas in it. So let's say you're using um, like, uh, let's say you were using like infrared tracers like there would be a different uh, um, setting in the optic for infrared tracers. And, or um, if you were using like armor piercing or a uh, match grade long range ammo or the general purpose ammo. And then I'm not sure that this exists or does not exist. I'm actually pretty, pretty stoked about this rifle. I think it's kind of cool. Now, whether or not the military needs, you know, 220,000 of them or whatever they're planning on buying, that is up for debate. But they are getting an initial batch of 16,000 of them, and they're giving them to, uh, if, if, if I had to guess, they're going to give them to the Rangers. Um, SF's probably going to continue running whatever they need to based on their environment. Um and then probably 10th mountain 82nd and and maybe 101st but uh so and uh you know i don't know if they're going to give them to ukraine um these things are pretty expensive 25th is going to be getting them 25th getting them yeah that also makes sense that's a good unit um so they're first in the shoot with china and that that's the idea uh yeah oh that makes sense yeah um, I so think, I think it's interesting that we pick a new heavier weapon with heavier rounds and magazines right after we decide that physical fitness isn't important for a fighting force. I don't know. I was just, just thinking crazy. that. I was just thinking that. <laughs> well, you so, have the, the sergeant major of the army, because um, he's you know not a fucking eleven series, saying that uh, you know it doesn't matter if you can if you're physically fit because we can just shoot you from farther away. And I was like, you, you still have to, still have to still have to get there, dog. Like. Yeah, okay. that's true. You have to get there and be able to fight. So yeah. the the optic can uh, the optic's pretty fascinating. It it can also detect like if you're canted, uh, so uh, if your weapon's not perfectly square, plumb, and level. It has a laser range finder in it, and um, and then the you can adjust you can change the reticles, I believe, because it's a digital like uh, digital system. So it's kind of like a, it's almost like an EOTech where it's like a holographic, if, uh, if from my, my understanding. And then the bullet is, so the current like general purpose round that we've been seeing the guys on YouTube shooting and the bullet that's been like written about in all the articles is actually, uh, it, it's got that two metal, it's, a, it's like a bimetal uh, case. So it's got the uh, stainless steel base and then the, the regular um, brass uh, body and then uh, shoulders and neck. But the, um, the cool thing about it is it, the one, the general purpose round that they're loading is somewhere between 75,000 PSI and 80,000 PSI, yeah, which 80, is like 80, a, yeah, which is like a 20 to 25% increase over your average bullet. Um, but the bullet that I'm sorry, the case itself is capable of being loaded to almost 140,000 PSI, which I'm thinking like, 
man, do they have some fancy bullets that they haven't released to the general public yet? Like some hyper velocity bullets that are pushing like 4,500 uh, feet per second. They, so there is an element of that, but like, here, here's the thing, man. Everything that they're developing is 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 gonna have published data at some point or another like um the thing is is that amu when amu gets it because and, and i know a little bit of this from kind of seeing the the bid wars uh that happened you know late in my time in the army i, I saw that th there was industrial espionage like crazy um and and where you are too i mean you, if you go out just hang out in the bars around Aberdeen, Maryland, uh, where the proving grounds are. You're going to see yeah. industrial spies from all the companies, dude. From oh, yeah. Stewart and Stevenson and, you know, freaking uh, Raytheon cool. and um, literally any company that produces something that has an NSN on it has corporate spies that will yes. go to the bars, that will hang out, they're probing Joe for, for you know, whatever information they can get out of them. And it's it's not like national security spying that we typically think of it. It's industrial espionage. Yeah, so, and they're usually really good-looking women. I happen to know a uh, famous yeah. radio TV show host hires ex-women uh, who are industrial espionage spies. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's what James O'Keefe does. Um, yep. I mean, he does that too. Yes, well, he does. The point is that th these these round testing, like it's we're we're kind of in an interesting world where uh, first I want to say that there is nothing new under the sun, and that's kind of uh, JC. You you kind of jumped the gun on that a little bit, uh, throwing mm -hmm. out there. Well, you know, it's it we're entering G three territory here and uh, FAL territory. Be prepared was. Uh, pointing out in the comments section um, concerning weight rather weight and length but um, here's the deal I mean we we're, we're borrowing from the civilian competitive market like that that's how that's worked that's how it's worked for a while now like 6.5 Creedmoor came out of the F class competition shoots. There were a bunch of wildcat calibers that, you know, different guys were uh, casting their own bullets and cutting their own car uh, cases and cartridge dimensions. And I mean, that it's a, it, it's a in-depth thing, man. It, it, it's a very in-depth thing that they're doing. And a lot of these guys in the F class circuit, president's hundred circuit, and working with Army Marksmanship Unit, um, a, a lot of what they're doing is they're trying to get picked up by one of the big companies for the next contract, for the next big thing. Like 6.8 SPC, somebody mentioned that in uh, the comments. That really, that wasn't really going to go anywhere. And, and I knew it when they brought it out. I knew it wasn't really going to go anywhere because it had a different it had a different magazine and it did not work within existing mag wells that we had. So that it, it wasn't going to work. That's why 300 blackout uh, originally 300 whisper did stick around longer and 6.8 didn't contrary to popular belief to 6.8 uh, SPC is a CQB 
cartridge. It is not a long range cartridge. Um, it is not designed for distances past 200 meters. It was specific. Yeah, it's not 6.5 Grendel. No, 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 not at all. No. Uh, no. Six point eight yeah. special purpose cartridge was designed by Remington for. Um, I want to say it was Seventh Special Forces Group, but I I kind of I get that story, them and the AMU mixed up with the the story of the Mark Twelve, and um, yeah, anyway, it it doesn't matter. But what my point is is that it, it was a special purpose cartridge, right? It was designed for the realities of Iraq, where your shot distance typically wasn't very far but you needed something that was better at cqb range you know that that what i consider zero to 100 meters you needed something that was better suited for that than 556 okay because you know my personal opinion 556 works green tip does not work all right and I know some of y'all green tip fanboys out there, you know, oh, oh green tip, A55 is just as good. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> uh, you can do better than that. Don't be, <laughs> don't be buying that crap. Um, it's not, yeah, that, that's a four ammo way around at best. For the same price, you can get no. Spear, Gold Dot, and 62 grain that will absolutely fucking yeah. destroy anything it stuff is. Up. Or, or you know, go with man. a 77. Or seventy-seven, yeah, dude. that too. Seventy-seven grain kills, kills things dead. Believe me, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's wow. the best five, five, six. Believe me, <laughs> but um, yeah. So, so revisiting this this idea of overmatch. Um, so we're, we're basically taking a step backwards. We're revisiting the battle rifle because conceptually, that's what this is. All right, that is. Um, the the battle rifle was designed to engage targets out to a thousand meters and it was for widespread adoption and so that's basically where they want to take us back to so i got a couple problems with that um first that can work in some paradigms but they're explicitly talking about, and, and the Marine Corps is doing this too. They, they, well, I'm going to get to that in a second. But uh, the Marine Corps is telegraphing, like, you know, we, we need to prepare for war with China. And so, you know, they're getting a new amphibious vehicle, which I think is really funny because they just uh, took all of the, the Amtraks out of service because that one sunk. Um, and, and so now all of a sudden they have this magic new vehicle. It, it, I don't know, man. It just seems a little strange to me. Uh, but again, I'm out, I'm outside that world. So I, I ain't going to say anything I, if, to my understanding. The Marine Corps is not looking at this rifle, which is very significant to me as well. Um, but they're telegraphing the fact that they want overmatch with the Chinese. And of course the, the Chinese military shoots the, um, it's a 5.8, yeah, five five point eight by forty three, um, the uh, QBZ ninety five rifle, and then they have a a updated one. Uh, that's a bullpup weapon, and they have an updated one that's a conventional layout weapon in the same caliber. Um, so uh, you you're introducing a ten pound rifle without the optic. All right, so you it, it's a battle rifle to everybody. 
And, you know, as, as you all pointed out already, you want a longer engagement range. Now, I'm going to tell you, as, as a guy who humped an M24, right, up and down mountains, you know, we're, we're, it was 14 and a half pounds. And, you know, I'm, I'm carrying my ammo with me. I'm lethal out to a thousand with that thing. Um, and, you know, but, but the thing is, is that you got to be in shape to carry that, man. You can't like that. That's not a weapon that you can just put in everybody's hands. The M110, right? That's not a weapon you can just put in anybody's hands. Like that, you know, you 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 got to prove you, yourself. You still carried a M4 too, right? Like you carried the yeah. M24 on your back and and you had a an yeah. M4 with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you carrying carrying two weapon systems. Now, there there were a few missions where I just carried the M24 just cuz I I just wanted to be a boss, man. Like it's just is how I'm rolling, dude. You know, like that's there was sometimes I did it, but what we learned, man, we we learned this for the M14 too. That you you can't just widespread distribute battle rifles to everybody because it it just doesn't work, man. Like there's a reason that militaries moved away from battle rifles and the optic, man. I get it. Like I get it, and cool you know i've been an advocate for low power variable optics for a ridiculously long time now um you know over a decade when the only one that i ever shot with was a schmidt bender short dot and you know there was no way i was going to afford one back then but i loved it and i thought it was the greatest combat innovation ever when i shot it on top of a g3 uh, so as, as we talked about in, in previous episodes, so that brings me back to my point, man, is that we are, we're taking a step backward going the battle rifle route when, if, if we're advertising that we're going to be in a fight with China, right? At least though, on, on the bright side, somebody in the Pentagon is, is waking up to that reality because for a long time they were just like, oh yeah, China's there. Yeah, they got a big military. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, but they're there. Uh, nobody wanted to admit that they're a problem. So we're going to be fighting them, right? So, like, let's look back at you know the the jungle campaigns of of Pacific. Um, I'm not so sure a battle rifle is really the way to go when you're fighting in in that environment. I'm just saying, like we we moved so, to Hawaii, and I, I I think a shorter a shorter cartridge, you know, is is probably it's something something a little more intermediate. It's probably a better idea. What do y'all think? Maybe a friend of mine carried an M1 carbine in the Pacific, and he was in the army, um, doing the island hopping, and he carried an M1 carbine, and he said. He said that was gold. He said a lot of guys that got there with Garands, the if if somebody went down in in the squad that had a carbine and they were getting taken back to the rear, he said they, a lot of the guys would swap out their kit and take that carbine because in the jungle that was uh, the thirty caliber uh, carbine out uh, round out of an M1 carbine has the same energy at 100 meters as a 44 Magnum. 
Now it doesn't have the the same diameter of bullet, obviously, and obviously a full metal jacket doesn't work as well as a soft point in a 44 Magnum. But 44 Magnum energy at 100 meters ain't something to sneeze at either. Um, and you know those guys, they you could carry a shit ton. I mean the whole the whole reason they started the concept of the 556 was they started off trying to neck down the 30 caliber carbine round, um, and and there was a couple wildcats made from that, and then they made it a little longer and came up with the the 222, 223 series, and we you know get the M16 out of it. Um, but yeah, that uh, I, I agree. That's you know, and and look at India. India, there's there's two weapon systems. The Indians are replacing their that monstrosity of a piece of shit that they have that they've issued for years. Um, that is the AK. The Didn't they just build a factory there for the AK-103? Yeah. So, in yeah, India, I, I want to get well, specific about, about the Indian that. Army. And also, they're going with the uh, the H&K, uh, the direct gas impingement 308. Uh, and, no, and, and from what I understood, the the units... The units up north were getting the that AR-10, the HK AR-10, and most of the other ones were going to get the AK-103s. Um, I could be wrong on the you know specifics about that, but that's that's what I've heard they're doing. So I don't know if you've heard anything about that or not. Yeah. So I I, I want to get real specific about the the Indian Army is kind of a fascinating case. Um, the insass rifle, they're getting rid of that for a lot of reasons. Um, it, it, the, the thing was generally speaking, it, it was a disaster, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, the, the other thing that I want to point out, the, the insass was essentially a Galil, but it was, they had some design implements to it that were kind of not such a good idea. Uh, polymer mags were really not a good idea. Right. And um, so they are adopting the AK-203, which is an AK-103 with a couple of upgrades to it. Um, The reason that they're doing that, it's it's not for widespread use. It's specifically to go to the Rishatria Rifles, which is their domestic counterinsurgency force. So like the... I don't really know. We, we don't really have an equivalent to them in a, in the American military model, but the Rishatria rifles are kind of like a, um, it's an elite assignment. You, you can't just enlist into them. It, it's a, um, it's, it's an elite assignment. I mean, they, they're well-trained troops. I, I guess you would kind of, they would be somewhere between, I don't know. It, 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 they they have a selection course and selection process, but their their specific job is to have a unit that is in an in an, a uh, contested area or in an area like the the Naxals, for example, where they've got their insurgency going on, or at least did. Um, uh, Kashmir and Jammu, they, they've got units up there and they have an area that they patrol kind of like our, our model that we used in Iraq 
where you have an area, your, your unit has an area and you don't deviate from that. You're just there and you learn everything about it. Well, that that's their force. And so, um, they're equipping them with AK 203s in 762 okay. by 39 because of the superior performance in heavy woodland environment, which, you know, they, they have in those regions. Now, for standardized use, they are going back to a battle rifle. They're going to the SIG 716, which is... Oh, sorry, uh, SIG, not H&K, yes. Yeah, it, it's, it's SIG. Um, the 716 and uh, DRD Tacticals MRD is the alternate rifle for that as well. And so, I mean, I, I know the owner of DRD personally. I uh, know him pretty well. And uh, colorful, very, very colorful gentleman. Uh, love, mm-hmm. love you to death, brother. Uh, I know you'll be listening to this, but um, he is, he's, he's got some workings too in there. So, um, anyhow, it, it, it's just fascinating, but they're going with 762 by 51 because this is a caliber, and this brings up my next point. This is a caliber that has been in service for a very, very long time. The projectile has been in service for over 100 years. And the the cartridge casing itself has been in service for at least 70 years. This isn't going anywhere. They can supply it. They can supply it in very large numbers. It is a known quantity. They can continue building it. And there's no guesswork. There's no testing that has to be done. They've got it. Yeah. Okay. They, they got it all. So, you know, it, it's good to go. We know the data. We know what it does. We know what it doesn't do. Everything's down to an exact science. With this new it'd round. Be easier, it, it'd be easier to can't like how many countries in the world right now don't use 762 NATO belt fed machine guns. The, uh, the exactly. majority do use that. That's, you know, exactly. so if you're going to have the round in inventory, you know, and that's, you know, they're talking about this, this, you know, new, new SIG stuff with ours. It, we're, we're putting ourselves behind the eight ball logistically, but the, the, yeah, the, Indians, it, yeah, the Indians, I mean, when I heard that that's what they were doing, uh, going to going to those two two rifles, I, I'll be honest with you that you know those two calibers is what I would pick if I could only pick two rifle calibers um, for for standardized use. And and the although I'm not a huge fan of the AR-10, the AK is what I would pick you know for for uh, standard use. And one of the reasons is because it's an easy weapon uh, to teach how to use. It is an e- um, it is easily repaired, and the and it's very robust, and those those are the same reasons why I like the G three rifle is uh, you know it's not hard to teach how to use, it, it's robust, it's an accurate rifle uh, that has yeah. you know it's almost it's almost fail safe, and that's one of the things that always pissed me off is when people were talking about the G three. They say, "Oh, but it doesn't have last shot hold bolt hold open," but yet they're singing the praises of the AK. I'm like, "We that you're making no sense." 
You're making no sense. Uh, right. So be, uh, for man, the same Bolt reason they say that the, oh, it, yeah, the G3 shits where it eats as far as it blows carbon back in the receiver. But they're talking how great an M16 is. And and obviously they've never shot an M16 with blanks. And oh, uh, yeah. But, yeah, they get dirty. But uh, but yeah, like I said, it's 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 trade-offs. But I yeah. I I respect the, the decision the Indians made and the reason they did. And one of the biggest biggest reasons was logistics. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, it, and it makes sense. Like they they've got a threat to their north. They've got a threat to their west, and that that's it. So when you're talking about overmatch, seven sixty two by fifty one is where it is. I mean. You know, you, you gotta you, you gotta push your army army hard, but you don't see any of this transgender stuff in <laughs> their army. You know, I'd like to don't. see their recruiting commercial. So, oh. uh, <laughs> interesting thing on the on the subject of uh, ammo. One of the reasons we went with seven six two by fifty one the first go around many decades ago. I saw, uh, I read a, a report, one of the YouTubers was reading a, an official, um, I think it was Army Ordnance Corps or Aberdeen Proving Ground, or both. Um, they came to the conclusion that you could fit more incendiary material for a tracer in a 7.62, and you could fit a larger uh, hardened tool steel armor piercing core into a 7.62. So it is curious why they would um, pick a, a, a 277 caliber when you can't fit uh, as much like armor piercing material, uh, like materials or tracer materials in it, which is why I think perhaps they have a hyper velocity round up their sleeve somewhere that just requires well, a little rocket, bit more powder. Rocket rocket assist. Yeah, caseless <laughs> ammo that HK was working on. You know, the, the, the G11 or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, the, the six millimeter is the best ballistic coefficient you're going to get. It, it is uh, the six millimeter class of, of rounds is the best ballistic coefficient. You know, you, you're you're getting that optimum of bullet diameter with the amount of of uh, fluid dispersal around it, and that you know that gives you your your uh, bullet coefficient or ballistic coefficient rather. Um, but here's the thing, man. The, the the other problem with this is, first of all, who is making this ammo? Okay, we're we're at a severe like we're already in a severe ammo crunch as it is and i'm not talking about the civilian market i'm talking about military side as well with the existing stockpiles who is going to be making this ammo like we're not just going to magically begin making primers again we're not just going to magically it's not going to happen overnight all right uh yeah i mean i I see where you say lake city won the contract i get that but lake city is one facility and they have they, they can turn out x amount of ammunition per year right that's absent industrial accidents and wars dare i say sabotage right because planes flying into the plant yeah i mean we we've got 
we've got a we we have a for whatever reason quote unquote we have had a rash of some interesting coincidences that have happened in the industrial sector all right we, we've had some accidents could it could it be that you know labor force is short and you know which is kind of my personal belief is that uh, labor force is short and people the standards are slipping a little bit man safety standards are slipping a little bit and uh, people people are stressed out so hey i mean you know that 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 kind of explains some of these industrial accidents that have been occurring nevertheless they've been incur been occurring and so when you're talking about your, your ammunition production facility and you have an an impending war okay we have an impending war all right we we are what for for whatever you want to say right like whatever the argument is or you like ukraine you think Zelensky is you know the the next moses or whatever like it did none of that matters man the the facts are this we are literally provoking a war with the russians period like period full stop that's happening Anybody who denies that we are provoking a war with a nuclear armed country is a friggin' fool. Okay. We are provoking a war. It doesn't matter where you stand on Ukraine. That's happening. So if we're provoking war, a more widespread war, why, why are we all of a sudden talking about, Hey, we're going to go to this new caliber over here and this new weapon and all these new fun doodads that we don't have the manufacturing capability going right now to put this in widespread use. I'm telling you, and it's heavier rifle. And I, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm really, really skeptical. The other thing, too, last thing is that it, when you're talking about six millimeter class rifles okay full power rifle cartridges um and you you have a higher round count okay now jp i know you know your stuff inside and out about round counts um but when you're talking about the you know the standard m4 round count the standard uh m24 round count before your barrel starts to deviate from the accuracy threshold of its intended purpose. And I'm going to tell you something when like you, the guys that shoot six, five a lot. No, I mean, it, it's, it's known that you're going to burn through barrels at a faster rate than you do with 308. It's, it's a fact. Okay. It's yeah. a fact. You are, you're pushing way more pressure down a smaller diameter tube. It's freaking science, man. And we are literally going to do this in a main combat weapon. I, I mean, I, I get it. The barrels so, are probably pretty easy to change out, but still. May I play devil's advocate? Oh, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Our, oh well, and because this is this is what we're doing here, basically, because um, not none of us have shot the rifle yet. But I, I think it, I think it's going to be pretty cool. And the range I go to, eventually somebody's going to have one because, I mean, some of the guys at the range I go to show up with like 50 grand worth of hardware. Um, and I'm oh, not I bragging. It, I'm, it's a cool I'm, rifle, man. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it, it's it, neat. I, I think uh, it's awesome. 
Yeah, but I'm excited to see it for every role. That that's yeah. My point. I and I and I agree. And and they're only issuing it to the the combat uh, troops, and they are keeping the M4 in stop in in the uh, roles. So if they do go to an environment that requires another weapon, um, they can easily switch out. And I, you and I both know, the soldiers in um, basic training, they're they're still they're going to get trained up on the M4 first, and not and then get trained up on the new gun when they get to a, their oh, yeah. unit, Dude, assuming I, their unit uses with it. An M16. Yeah, so, I used an M4 when I was in, um, and uh, I was actually the first uh class to switch to acus which was pretty cool i love those things but um yeah, so I had, comfortable I had woodland BDUs. <laughs> yeah 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 i know i'm a youngster i know i know so uh i mean it's cool i, I remember getting acus and i was like huh this, this is interesting yeah. <laughs> that's a way of doing it so uh the iraq in 2005 with acus everybody over there thought it was a special unit because it was <laughs> that's funny well there was a lot of a lot of people didn't mess mess with the the guys because they they thought it was a special unit and but i i qualified with an m16a1 in basic training <sighs> that's and awesome I, and i love hell i carry in lurse i carried an m16a1 so yeah Fuck yeah. Right. That's that spray and fray. I'm just going to cool. say, rather, man, as a civilian, I cannot contribute a damn thing in this conversation. That's why I've been silent hey! for the past 45 minutes. He's in here. <laughs> just, I've been here for 45 minutes, but there's nothing I can contribute to this conversation, so I was just quiet. Just <laughs> so you just sit there and look beautiful. Oh, I'll try, baby. Hey, hey, man. Man. You had issues with your audio, man. Yeah, I had a, I had a bad, me, uh, I had a bad he- a set of headphones that had uh, it was weak with the 3.5 so i had to swap them out for a different one noise i love you too dirty so, patriot man what's up brother? let me let me bounce a question off you because you know you, you weren't in but you you're you know you're you're you can run some numbers in your head yeah so if, if we can supply the whole commercial market uh with all of the six five millimeter barrels you could possibly need i mean you can just go on the internet and buy them all day long yep right the ammo is a little pricey but the the you can get a six five barrel for what like three four five hundred bucks depending on the manufacturer so there is the logistics consideration of burning out a barrel in about 1500 rounds and that's probably what's going to happen with this rifle and it and after about 1500 rounds it opens up from you know assuming the gun is uh an area target weapon out to a thousand or 1200 that would that would that would probably mean that by about 2000 rounds you're you're struggling you're on the struggle bus trying yeah, to hit something you're, you're, at, at that point you're starting a keyhole yeah you you're um you're you're definitely opening up and you're going to start having velocity spikes too mm-hmm. And so, which is going to contribute to your, your vertical spread, which is going to make it really difficult to hit something at distance. Um, anybody that's tried to shoot a, an AK chambered in yeah. 7.62 by 39 uh, out to like four or 500 knows what I'm talking about. Now, the flat base bullet does contribute to that quite a bit because um, the, the AK is a flat base bullet. They're trying to squeeze all the uh, all the lead and copper they can into that little volume that little area that they can but 
I don't think the I don't think changing the barrels is going to be that big of a deal. I used to be an armorer, and uh, every couple of years, the units in the military do what's called uh, reset, and reset is quite the experience. And and essentially, what happens is um, the real armorers in the military go through and they gauge all of the weapons mm -hmm. in your armory and that in your arms room and they gauge them all and if anything fails they have the parts right there to swap them out real quick so they have gauges for all the parts and um and they just they go through and they check it and and then the weapon passes uh gauge or it fails and if it fails gauge it gets handed off to another guy um my particular experience was there was like a truck kind of like the the truck that you see for you know like an ambulance but it was like an ambulance for machine guns and and rifles and you would just hand them that and uh really the only thing they couldn't swap out right away was a receiver that was serialed okay, or yeah. a machine gun receiver uh that actually yeah. required a fuckload of paperwork and you had I'm to sure. Yeah. take the you had to take the serial receiver off the books and the commander had to sign off on it and then the and then the um the uh battalion uh level had to had to that had to go way up so um a little bit of a pain in the ass but uh you'd get a new machine gun man and that thing would be running running so nice so i i don't think you know the the i think the barrel being able to be swapped out with a couple of um screws and them designing the foregrip to be removed real uh the front stocks the, the on the the front handguard on the on the rifle yeah being being able to swap out the barrel in two minutes i think they designed that so after so many um range sessions They'll, I think they'll increase the number of resets that a uh, combat arms uh, unit goes through, and and then and if a barrel fails gauging, I think they'll start doing more like data on the um, shooting. I think they'll start keeping like a, a record book on like, well, not the individual soldier, but I'm saying you know, issue out like a hundred rounds for a training session at the shooting range. Yep. And um, and then the barrel, interestingly, the gun can be swapped between 6.5 Creedmoor, uh, this new bullet, the, the uh, 277 Fury, and, um, and 7.62 by 51, regular, regular old 308. So I'd actually like to get a hold of one of these. It's too bad they're so fucking expensive. I think they're like six or seven grand. Yeah. maybe even eight grand i think some of them are going for um but i'd I'd like to get a hold of one and uh and test out that optic with some um with some uh lr uh 118 i think that would be pretty sweet well so i mean the immediate questions here in this whole conversation to me is first off bringing it up to scale right so you have to change infrastructure you're talking to ammo manufacturers who have to change the equipment you're talking about retraining people as to I'm, I'm i'm sure there were similarities and again i'm speaking from a layman's perspective there are similarities between the the 7.62-51 and this round but still there's going to probably be some specific because in my experience each round could cause different stress points at different times. So now you have to learn when this round is fired so many times, 
where are the areas that fail first? I would imagine that for each round, and someone can correct me, for each round, it's going to fail differently at different points based on what round it is. So to me, I mean, it seems like they made this decision and they really didn't already have the logistics behind it to facilitate that change. I'm not opposed. If it's a better round and it's more effective, then go for it. But it seems like they didn't have the infrastructure in place when they made the decision. They made the decision. It was very much... You know what I mean? Like they didn't have the the, the back and behind it. Okay, already have then, you know, if we go through, I think I saw somewhere it was like 8 million rounds a year. Okay, then have, you know, 800 million rounds done and have, you know, we know that these 17 or 5 or 12, whatever it is, ammo companies are going to make the ammo and we have this many parts stocked to make this decision so ad hoc. I don't care if it's better. I care that if our soldiers get the fight, and suddenly they can't get resupplied. That's an issue. So that when I say well, logistics, at, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, compare it to everything else that's going on in our society right now. It's it's the same. Yeah, correct. It is exactly the same. They're they're putting they are putting our our military on par with what's going on with the rest of the economy and the rest of the rest of our logistics problems, supply, whether it's fuel, food, anything. It is it is putting them behind the eight ball by introducing this new crap that isn't necessary. If if you know, it'd be one thing if we had a shit weapon, and yeah. and and the and the weapon didn't you know, it it works, it works. If they're that concerned about the effectiveness of it, friggin' give everybody seventy seven grain bullets. Boom. I mean, serious. That's you know. Honest, just, honest, uh, yeah, exactly. Put it back to eighteen or twenty yeah. inches, which I understand. Wait, or at least train them to actually shoot the fucking three hundred yard target. And, yeah, true. And that, yeah, but the but like you know, like the guys have all said, one, you're getting a heavier weapon. You, the uh, these guys that are that I've seen in there now that can't even take a shark attack in basic training are going to be carrying a ten pound rifle. Yep. I don't think I don't think well, so. I'll say I'll. Say, uh, well, actually, I'll hold that for later. But um, <laughs> but no, but to your point, again, as a layman's perspective, sitting there just thinking about it in terms of logistics and, and logic, to be honest, like, why are – I haven't seen anything about, oh, we have this done, we have that done, we have all this stuff done. And also, you know, right now the big buzzword is NATO, NATO, Sweden, Finland, NATO – Okay, so yeah, you're, you're putting you're putting so much you're so much effort and 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 stress on NATO. If none of them are running the fucking round, then why are we changing? Because if we're in a fight and some Finnish soldier is next to me, I can't throw him a mag because his gun is running five five six probably, and I'm running this whatever two seventy seven crap is. So I don't that was understand the whole point the behind the whole stain ag, the stain ag requirement where all of them had equipment that, that could be, you know, magazines, interchangeable. Everything at, interchangeable. At yeah, at a, at a minimum. Logistics. You know, you had different weapon systems, but they uh-huh. still used M16 mags and 5.56 ammo. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's ridiculous. But Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't understand it. And, and I, I, again, I understand it's a better round. It's, it's a more, more multi-purpose round, but... Until you have the institutional change behind it, I just I don't see it happening, and and I think they're stupid for doing it, because if we're if we're supposedly we have units you know in Poland 
God forbid, you know, Russia invades Poland. We're going to be fighting with Polish units. And if they those guys have the new guns, we can't even do anything. Our ammo supply, we're not going to have 5.56. We're going to be running this. So they need ammo. Yeah. And we have all this ammo. We can't give it to them. And to me, it's, yep. just, it's just stupid. I say give the Ukrainians 45.70 trapdoors. <laughs> But that's just no, no, no. We're gonna give them rolling blocks. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Craig Jorgen, jo- uh, Jordanson's. Well, I just fucking butchered uh, that. Hey, what are they right. called? We'll go 30, 40 40 cranks. Yeah. Paper patch <laughs> bullets. That's a cool <laughs> gun, though. I wish, man, fucking Remington, cool dude. Gun. I could have saved that company. It is a cool gun. Eh, nah, I don't, I don't think there was anything anybody could have done really to save Remington. Uh, yeah, it, it was, well, Palmetto State's going to turn them around, man. Yeah, they are. I, I, there's, there's a lot to that story. Palmetto State's going to, they, they are reintroducing Remington as rem arms. They've already done it kind of in phases. Um, so, I don't know. I, it, there's some exciting things. PSA, uh, McCallum's over there at PSA. Um, they, they've got their heads screwed on right. So I, I, I'm excited to see what they come out with. Um, you know, but anyway, uh, you, you guys are all, you know, I'm just kind of sitting back cause you're all making the same points that, uh, was kind of my breakdown of this. Some questions that I had Patriot man, you, you know, you, you're spot on, you know, where, where's the money coming from in all this is, mm-hmm. is a real question that I have because, the we don't like it, it's one thing to to draw a circle and like say that's your end goal right but then kind of backwards planning all right we, we've got our end goal but now we've got all these other complications that we have to resolve i don't i have absolutely no question that that this is a badass round like when when uh sig came out of the 277 fury i looked at the specs yeah. on it it's like hell yeah that's great uh six five creedmoor for that matter i think hell yeah yep. you know great great caliber dude i don't own one and the reason i don't own one is logistically for me i can reload for precision 308 i can uh support precision match loads out of a 308 a 762 551 right I can I can support all of this because I have been doing this for a very long time. Yep. It would make absolutely no sense to me in my working environment to just grab up this new caliber just because it's cool, just because everybody's doing it. I'm not competing with it. Okay, I ain't got time for that. I'm not. That's a good point, it. Scout. It's all, it's all about yeah. logistics with that, particularly with a prepper. Yeah. We have limited funds, so for like for me, yeah. I run particularly my handgun, which I'm sure will get some groans. My handgun that I run is the Springfield XT9, and so someone once asked me, they're like, "Why do you have so many of the XT9s?" And I said, "Well, because it simplifies logistics, right? Parts yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I yep. only run about four different calibers." And people have said, well, you don't have this, you don't have that, because I don't want to stock the different rounds, the different magazines. If I have four things that I trust, or whatever it is, four or five things I trust, then I have all the equipment I need for it. I already have the cleaning parts. I already have the replacement parts. I have everything I need. And a lot of people don't think, but they want like, oh, I want this, I want that. 
that's great. But get yourself squared away with what you're going to be fighting with. And then like, there's plenty of guns that I want that eventually I'll buy. But I'm not going to put it first because I have the logistics behind my fighting rifles. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got stuff that, that I would never carry into battle. Yeah. You know, I mean, but they're, it's fun stuff to, to have on a range. Cool. I mean, whatever, man. <clears throat> but that brings me to my next point, though. And it's it's one that I know uh, is, is the real discussion that I want you all to have. Um, all, all that other stuff is is pretty valid, I think, in a very valid point. All of them are valid points that need to be brought up. This this is a, a, a really cool caliber, man. But th- there's some serious question marks when it comes to the feasibility of this in extended engagement periods. All right, not extended engagement ranges, but l- the longevity of it, the train up time, everything else, because it, you've you've got that all the way down to the lifespan, expected lifespan versus real world lifespan of the weapons. All that stuff. But the thing, the thing that I want to talk about is the shift in strategy uh, that seems to be occurring at the small unit level. And it was something that I kind of touched on a little bit at the beginning when we were talking about this, uh, when we, we started talking about it about an hour ago. And this is one that um JC, I know you and I have have talked about, have written about, have pointed out over and over again, incredible writers out there like John West with Fry the Brain um, have written about, and that is the role of the marksman. That is the role of not some guy with a bullet hose, right, but precision munitions, precision weapons on the battlefield at whatever range, right, at whatever range, it doesn't really matter if, if you're in a, you know, a tight jungle you know dual canopy type uh environment like the one that i live in that's heavily wooded where you know you're you're lucky to get 150 meters shot or you're somewhere you know like badlands fieldcraft out west uh you know he he's got really long range shots out there i mean that's you know i and and uh, those guys that were out in the cascades for the last scout course i call that six five creedmoor country out there because it's wide open You've got long distance shots that you can take and you have that opportunity out there. So um, my point is, though, is that regardless of the distance, regardless of um, the the uh, environment, if you will, the role of a marksman, a well-trained marksman who understands camouflage, concealment, stalking techniques, Right. Knows how to work as a team inside of that envelope at the small team level. These are skills that look like, at least to me, by the the favoritism of this weapon platform and its capabilities. This looks like to me that these are skills that are being revisited and that they're dusting this off. And at least for me, I think that this is uh, a serious level of validation as well. What say y'all? Yeah, I, I agree that I, I pray to God that's what's going on. Because if not, it's going to be a noisy version of suicide. Um, it really the you, you have to have one with the other. You can't it, Vietnam. I mean, you look at those guys. Uh, 
you know, a couple movies you could watch where they're still carrying M14s. And, of course, no, no rifle is light enough <clears throat> for an infantryman. They always want it to be lighter. And, you know, over the years, that's, that's happened from the Grand on down. Um, but the, uh, like you were saying, the small unit tag or small unit, uh, stuff along the lines of, you know, being formed up like a lurse where your, your field skills are <clears throat> at a higher level than, than, a, than a typical infantryman, um, because they have to be because of the mission. Now, <clears throat> One thing I know, I know you and I have talked about that, and I know that when they when they started doing a lot more with Lurse Seas uh, at the company level, you know, they started carrying saws on a Lurse team um, and sniper rifles, like with you know your situation. Um, but you know, 30 years ago, it was six guys with you know M16A1s or M16A2s, and and there was the the one of the uh, reasons that you needed to have <clears throat> really high-end field skills, movement and everything else, was for your survival because you weren't equipped like a, a smaller version of an infantry squad as far as with belt-fed capability, 203s and stuff like that. Um, so it was a survival mechanism, but um, I agree that the what they've done with this weapon system is is pointing towards that as as a you know one begats the other or the other way around they've decided that we're going to do this so if we're going to do this then then we need to have this capability for people that are trained this way because they can make maximum use of it so i i agree with you as far as that's concerned that's definitely a valid point I think for me, I probably have the shortest response to this uh, from my experience learning from Scout. Uh, I think that that is going to be the most important role in terms of the combat side of what we're coming up against because you have the ability with a precision rifle and some knowledge to inflict some heavy casualties, particularly on if you know what the officer rank is. You can take several shots and then bug out. And based on probably what their standard oper operating procedures are, are going to hold in place. They got to run through a whole bunch of shit going on. And at that point, you're able to kind of shoot and scoot. So to me, I think that's a very important skill. Um, it's one that I don't personally have. Um, I don't have a precision rifle. I don't have experience shooting out to distances. But I think that is probably one of the more important things you should know. tactics is this gun's going to reinvent the tactics the the change in point target and area target engagement is just phenomenal i'm teaching this tomorrow in green dragon academy if anybody wants to sign up and come on by i'm gonna i'm gonna show the boys what this rifle means which by the way um i'm not gonna be there i'll be at a wedding getting wasted but uh i have attended johnny's uh stuff before i highly recommend it it is a fantastic fantastic presentation mech also does his thing on wednesdays that is also highly recommended i am subscribed to both so um i i check them out please 
It's going to be fun, guys. Mech is actually coming tomorrow. He's going to be another guest lecturer. I'm slacking on the. Uh, uh, am I going to have to tune in? Tactics. Drunk as shit at a wedding and say hi to everyone. After oh, after oh, lecture, you absolutely can, buddy. All right, I, all right, yeah. Shoot me a time during the lecture. During the lecture. <laughs> during the lecture. No, I don't want to mess the shit up, but. <laughs> no, it, it. You know, it's. You know, uh, the academ in academia, academia, they try to keep lectures under 75 minutes but mine's two 55 hours typically but, but yeah. we yeah yeah well it, it varies from like 45 to 75 but those three hour lectures that you had like the labs and stuff fuck though dude those things are brutal. but the thing dude. is with both brutal. of your classes the the it doesn't even feel like it's three hours like you're hanging out having a good time and all of a sudden you're like what time is it oh shit like it's it's not like that it's it's such a fun time how many credit hours did we get for that one? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's more important than any credit hours, that's for sure. Damn straight. And that's coming from someone who works in academia with a master's degree. The credit hours you're earning here are way more important. Hey, how many credit hours do you need for a master's degree? Uh, so I did... 128 from undergrad and then my master's i believe was oh shit you put in the spot it wasn't it wasn't 30 but it wasn't 60 somewhere in between there it's because i have like years to get it i have like 167 credits or something some of those might i need to i need to a I need, uh, master's degree yeah i need to fucking look into that yeah, but transsexual economic studies only requires like thirty. Oh, so. don't even get me started about when I was in my degree Bro. and I was work I was working full time during my degree and I'm with these people who were they were career students who were like twelve years in school, they were PhDs, and they were literally like, I can't believe my my, my project didn't get funded. And you were like, Well, what's your project? Well, I wanted to see what this bacteria and this bacteria did when they put them together. And I said, Well, why? I just to see what would happen. Well, how much money you asked for? $750,000. You're like, of course they said no. Are you out of your fucking mind? These people were so disconnected from reality. I was just like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go to my class. <laughs> 750 yeah. grand for some not, Petri that, dishes that and is, an incubator and a lab God, tech that is for not like an four exaggeration. months. Are you I serious, had, dude? I had, I had, that's, in my community, yeah, that's why the homosexual guys are passing the monkeypox now because they had two friggin' amoebas got together. Oh, oh right, monkeypox. Thank you. For oh yeah. Oh my god. About this. Yeah. Read all the so, posts in AP. Mac, no, posts hit in AP. us up. So I was looking up something because uh, I was talking to somebody about this. Where the place I used to work, um, this was like back in 2018. We were working on a project. It was called Techovira Mat. Uh, the, the brand name was T-Pox and this was, uh, the company was out of Oregon and the only person, cause we did contract manufacturing. So the only person that they were going to be, or the only entity they were going to be selling this product to was the DOD and T-Pox was a drug to fight, 
uh, like to treat smallpox in case like there was a outbreak or something and they couldn't get everyone vaccinated. Yes, 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 yes. Talking everybody for it was a rapper. And so I was looking it up. I was looking up teapox because I was talking to somebody about it because we were talking about how there was a bunch of brand new um, within like the past two years or within the last year. There was a bunch of requests for smallpox vaccines by the DOD. So yep. I was looking this up. You know what else Tecovirimac was designed to treat? Monkey Fucking monkeypox. What? The came out right before what? COVID made, it, made its debut. What? This is it so Mac, wild. Mac, Mac, At the same me. place, we had a Moderna vaccine project back yeah, send in Send that to me. So, so my brother reads AP religiously. And so he pointed me to, I found this thing about the government made in the third quarter of 20, I think it was 2021. Uh, and it's on AP and it's on our Twitter. If I posted a whole thread about everything we have, but um, it was, they made a $120 million purchase of T-Pox, but then he was on for his job was looking for solicitations for different projects for the federal government. Cause he's a contractor, uh, not anything related to this environmental stuff, but he saw a, a solicitation for they wanted a new smallpox drug. So he had read the article I'd said about T-pox. He sent it to me and he said, hey, this is something. Yeah, it was. And then Bill Gates comes out with the whole, oh, prepare for the next you know, pandemic or pandemic, and it could be weaponized smallpox. And then smallpox vials are found in the Philly uh, CDC lab or whatever. And then yep. it goes to Oh, this article came out. Oh, they were these Australian researchers figured out that they could weaponize mousepox and make it so that it would infect everyone aerially. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then after that, monkeypox makes its debut. And then since then, it was like, oh, this thing exists, but it's not going to happen. And then it was, oh, we have a couple cases. We don't really know how it happened. It might be an STI, whatever. We don't really know. And now, the report is first monkeypox case in the United States, and now first one in Sweden. It's it's literally their playbook, and we have been saying this. I think the first post about this went up maybe eight months ago. It, it is their playbook to a T, and it's all well, yeah, based Fauci around. Fauci was telling us, yeah, Fauci yeah. kept telling us it was you know, and and Bill Gates, and that, that's what pisses me off is the fact that. They had this monkeypox vaccine ready to go right before COVID made its first debut, the beginning, end of 19, beginning of 2020. Yep. This, it was already, already done. And then now we, you know, COVID is supposedly over and the flu's come back along with mass shootings. I don't know what the correlation is other than the fact that COVID kept both of them away, apparently. But uh, regardless, the you know, COVID is over. So now, now know, they need a right boogeyman. Yep, hundred percent. Right now, right on cue, with with Bill Gates, you know, leading the way, uh, with his, you know, buying all the farmland and and making all the all the uh, the the pox vaccines. You know, we got this gay. It, what I read was it said gay men, trans men, and men who have sex with men are getting mon- monkey pox. I was like, wait, isn't that redundant? But (laughs) so you want to hear something crazy? Uh, I've seen. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm fucking nuts. You can ask the people I hang out with. But um, yep, yeah. I love I love him, but he's so. (laughs) So 
I've seen the inside of a COVID uh, emergency relief facility, and uh, I've actually um, I've seen a little more than that. And uh, if I was going to prepare for smallpox, I would build the same facility. Ooh, what does that mean? Yeah. So why are they all, Weird, why are they tearing right? them all down then? That's a good question. But was yeah, it a was it a training run? Down. And yeah, they're all everybody getting... that we had that was gone on COVID orders is back at our unit. They're all getting um, mm-hmm. all that all those materials are getting stored. So it was almost like a two year long training train X. Along with the uh, hamburger and the baby formula. Yeah, that is a totally separate issue. But like Scout said, the, the, it ain't all the same butcher. So how did it all get infected? And then, and then, and then, Bob, old Bob Griswold, hitting us with the truth. He's like, I think this is, uh, I think this is a little, uh, I think it's getting diverted overseas to China. Now, I mean, that like five hundred thousand pounds of, of beef would only feed China for like. 30 minutes but the um well when you mix it, it with cat it kind of stretches a bit <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> oh man he's specific damn crane damn. Damn. europe in general but we were diverting into europe yeah that's what it is yeah were we uh, yeah that interview was talking about joseph that hey it, it took seven years to square things away so they could they could live through seven years of famine. And if that's not the the uh, a prepper mantra, I don't know what is as far as, hey, you know, this is, you just don't get, jump in the game here last minute. And and, and you know, but you're it's I, I've told people, I said, hey, worst case scenario, if you're just getting into the prepper thing right now and you you're in a position to be able to get a credit card that has some some stuff, you know, Yep. Concentrate on the basics and, and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I, I, uh, I will say I am so blessed that, you know, all, for all these years, I got into prepping in 2012 when I got out of college and I was doing the shit and everyone was telling me why, why, why are you doing this? Why are you, doing, why are you going, why are you not taking vacations? And I was like, I'm telling you, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. So watching this now and I'm looking and I'm so blessed looking around my room, looking around my house, saying, I got this, I got this. I, got this. I was like, you know, could I want more? Yeah. Do I want more? Hell yeah. But am I okay if something happened? Finally, for the first time, yes. And 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 if someone's just starting out, then I would say absolutely get your basics because you can't eat your credit card. And I'm not saying go into debt. I'm not saying that. But if you can, if you have the financial ability to say, I can take X, Y, Z and I can spend this now and pay it off with my job. And I know I'm going to keep my job, but I can't eat my insurance policy. I can't eat my credit card, but I can eat whatever the food I buy. I can listen to the radio that I bought. I can shoot the ammo that I got to buy. To me right now, that's a move because I have never, and again, I'm much younger than most of the people on this call. I wouldn't say most of the people, some of the people. Actually, probably just JC. But uh, <laughs> but, but to me, Thanks, this is the most nervous I've been in all my years of paying attention to this. And I don't know where this is going. I honestly don't. I, <laughs> and so, I am in the exact same boat. 
I'm See, and you have years old. of experience. I've, if I've JC thinks we're, if he thinks he's fucked, since I was we're 12. all fucked. <laughs> well, it, I've been doing this for for forty years since I was twelve. Was I bought Life After Doomsday, Life After Doomsday, and uh, Nuclear War Survival Skills. I bought those when I was twelve after reading 1984, and I've been prepping for forty years. And I can tell you through all the through, through the friggin' Soviet Union shit, and Three Mile Island, and Y2K, and the 9/11, which eh, okay, whatever. But all that stuff. Right now, it, I, I don't, you know, I just, I don't think about it. I just concentrate on what I'm doing. And because if you sit and dwell on that shit, your, your psychology can fuck up your physiology if you let that shit absolutely you know, fester. So just concentrate on what you're doing, have your goals, have your priorities and, and, you know, be in the now with your family and, and just do it. But yeah, it's, I'm, <laughs> I, I know exactly how you feel, brother. And I've got, I, I, you know, right yeah. now I've got a two and a half year old and an eight month at home. So, yeah, see, yeah. I'm lucky I don't have kids. So for me, it's just like I have my shit squared away and, and, you know, I'm feeling good about this, but there's still, I'm, I'm every day I'm looking, I'm like, there's gaps. I need this. I need that, whatever. And so I'm slowly starting to fill them in, but I'm, I'm at a point where like, if the, the envelope drop, we wake up tomorrow and the sky is bright and all of a sudden everything goes fuzzy I, I i'm okay but it also took 10 years of sacrifice to do that mm-hmm. so yeah and i know i know discipline. everyone on this call understands that discipline and understand that and, and by the way to everyone listening it, discipline doesn't mean like i during this time i still went to breweries i still did this i went on vacation you know short vacations not like going on a cruise for two thousand dollars i would take day trips and stuff so you don't have to go so crazy that like every single penny has to go towards prepping, but to make it your focus and to realize you have to sacrifice certain things to be able to get where we are now. I think that's the most important thing about this. I, I would modify something as I, I started saying after Iraq, life is too short to go through it eating rice cakes. In this case, Life's too short to go through it eating freeze-dried food and canned food all the time. Yep. You know, you need to enjoy life, live your life. If you've got kids and grandkids, you know, be be the role model they need, and especially when it comes to preparedness, but doing it in a fiscally finan- or, uh, fiscally responsible way yep. and let them see that. You know, Scout was talking about that in one of his podcasts about his grandparents and yep. the fact that he yep. kind of has to, has to read – relearn some of the stuff that he he probably saw going on but wasn't interested in at the time i was same way growing up you know every every february we got my cousins and i got got one day out of school to butcher hogs well we weren't butchering the hogs we were screwing around messing with friggin' eyeballs rolling around and and you know just stuff like that and but we saw that being done and you know those those things if your kids see you doing it you know, and they they might want to partake, they might not, but they're still seeing you doing it, and they have something to re- look back on. So it's not just theory; it's not just a picture in a book or a video on YouTube. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Nah, I mean, you know, not knocking the the stuff that people see and digest for you know various reasons um, online. 
you know, because we're part and parcel of that too, man. But you got to yes, get the hands yeah. on. Like you, you, you got to get that hands on. It, it's a um, lot of outlets out there. A lot of outlets to get that that training, get that hands on. You know, and and each of us have that in in our respective ways. Uh, our respective topics. So that brings us to five minutes left. Five minutes. Uh, so <laughs> sound yeah. off for equipment check. There you go. There you go. Um, so with that said, five minutes left on the clock, guys. Quick round table. What you've got going on? What's on chat for you? A little echo I, I probably the shortest one because I don't teach anything. Um, I will say if anyone's going to the um, what is it? The August RTO. I think I should be there. Should be there. Um, I will be at the um, October. At the October Scout and Recce course. course. Otherwise, boys, just keep training, keep being disciplined. Do your do your PT, uh, do your dry fire, and uh, we should be good to go. We'll make it through this, bro. Um, I have a course every month or once every month for the next five months. Uh, MasonDixonTactical.com has the schedule and what courses it is. It's either the uh, Rural Buddy Team Essentials course, the uh, Rural Team Tactics course, or the Wilderness Survival course. And like I said, just get on there at the bottom of the page. has the schedule. And same thing, just you know, keep doing what we're doing, you know. Live your life with your family and, and, and enjoy the time, good times now because there's a good chance we're, we could be in the middle of friggin' Kosovo next month, next year, or in, in six months. Who knows? But you know, have something to be able to look back on and say, I'm glad we did that, Dad. Yeah. And a, a quick append to that. Yeah. You know, keep training. But if you want that cigar, have that cigar because in my mind, you never know when it's going to be your last one. So don't yeah. sacrifice the preparedness lifestyle for it. But if you want it, go for it. Sorry. And uh, for JP's portion, uh, check out Green Dragon. You know, come on by. You can sign up for, you know, Green Dragon and come to class. And if you don't like it, you can cancel the subscription and you don't get billed till the end of the month anyway. Plenty of other people have done it. You know, you ain't going to hurt my feelings. And uh, but it's a good time, and we talk about all the uh, the big stuff that really would be way too expensive for us to do in person and in real life. Like, you know, what it takes to do a 400 kilometer movement, or um, or uh, what what um, uh, we also have homework too. So uh, every month. I, uh, every two weeks, I uh, give you guys an idea for a project to prep on. My last one was uh, getting some morale food to something sweet or salty and stocking up on that stuff because it, you know, eating the same crap over and over again sucks. It really does suck. And uh, it actually, um, I actually ate peanut butter and jelly breakfast, lunch, and dinner for like three weeks straight with expired peanut butter and jelly and uh, bread that was moldy in Solder City. And it was pretty rough and it sucked. And you don't want to, you don't want to be there. I'm telling you, you don't. It messes with your guts. Uh, Everybody's on edge. People start biting each other's heads off at the littlest shit. 
and uh, and your your gums and start falling apart and your body starts doing weird stuff and you just don't want to you just don't want to have to go through that. Believe me, you just don't. Just don't want to be so, that guy. Speaking of health, yeah. mech medic. Yeah, got uh, classes up on the schedule all over the place. I'm uh, going to be in Wyoming next month. We still got a few spots left, so go ahead and sign up. Uh, in August, I'll be going back out to Bob's out at uh, Ready Made Resources. Um, should be. It was a great time last time. Uh, I know it's going to be a great time again. Uh, I got classes out west as well, outside of the Wyoming. Got classes in Washington State and Montana. So sign up. Right on. Training calendar is up on brushbeater.org, brushbeater.org slash training calendar. Had to move a class, uh, had to move two classes actually. And I've got details on that. The June carbine course and the RTO, advanced RTO and signals intelligence in that first week of June in there, they were all shifted to August dates. Um, had to make that shift, have a very serious uh, family commitment that is kind of urgent in nature. And uh, I talked about it. It's it's all in the post. Uh, being a dad comes first. And, um, you know, so we, everybody out there, that post is up. Um, you know, definitely be checking that. Be checking the training calendar uh, because the information is out there. Anyhow, for all of us, last call. God bless all of you. Great discussion this evening. I hope everybody is great. I will not be on the air next week. I'm going to be up in Michigan teaching and uh, going to have the awesome Joe Dolio of Tactical Wisdom in class as well. Really looking forward to that. We might even have a meeting of the minds on air to do a live in-person interview. Maybe. Maybe just maybe. Anyhow, but with that said, God bless all of you out there, and I look forward to talking to all of you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout, out. Back away!